Welcome, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm the founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes. You're listening to the Acknowledged Dogs Podcast. Today's episode topic is brought to you by one of my wonderful followers on social media. If you have topics that you want me to discuss, make sure you let me know through social media. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, or YouTube. Let me know what you want to hear on the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Today's topic is part two of our discussion on latency versus speed. We're going to be talking about speed today and how you can improve your dog's speed in any behavior that you want, how fast they can do the behavior. Now, latency was how fast your dog can go from recognizing they should start the behavior to actually starting the behavior. Speed is how long it takes from the beginning of the behavior to the end of the behavior. Now, when we're talking about speed, this does not mean how fast your dog naturally moves. It can be relative. So you could have a dog that does not move very quickly, and we could build up their speed and motivation. And then you have a dog that could move like lightning, like a Belgian Malinois or Border Collie, and speed for them might be a little different. We could actually slow them down. Today we're going to be talking about increasing speed, but maybe you want to slow them down a little bit so they can think clearer. That's a whole other discussion, which we'll talk about in another episode. But there's three things that I want to talk about. And if you listen to the latency, the part one, then you might recognize some of these things. The three things I'm going to talk about today, two of which actually are in conjunction with latency. Doesn't mean we use them the same, but those principles still apply. When you understand the principles of something, which you'll notice in a moment. When you understand the principles, it's so much easier to make the mechanics work to your advantage. Okay, so yesterday, latency, I talked about timing. And today, for speed, we're going to be talking about timing. Timing is critical in all forms of dog training. Whether you're going to punish your dog, whether you're going to reward your dog, whether you're going to teach them something, not teach them something, whatever it is, timing is essential to having any behavior exist. If the timing is off for the reward or the punishment, then nothing happens. If you're going to do something, let's say you're going to help me out. I said, hey, could you bring pizza to a party? And you brought the pizza to the party, and I never said thank you. Never said thank you. You probably will realize that I didn't say thank you. Because I've had this happen. right? It's happened to me. I bring something to a party. Person doesn't say thank you. I'm like, what the hell? Why did I even do this? Not that I just did it for the thank you, but it's nice to feel appreciated, right? And so if you brought pizza and I didn't say thank you, and then three months from now, I said, hey, thanks. And I just walked away. You would have no idea what that is in relation to. That is an extreme version of timing and the problem, but that's exactly what happens with our dogs. And that's why it's so important to be clear on what we want them to do and what we're rewarding them for. But we also have to understand that you may not be rewarding them for what you think you are rewarding them for. This is a very big problem and a lot of my clients go through it. And when we dissect what's going on in their life, they realize that they're being rewarded or they're rewarding their dog for the wrong things. 
Easiest example is attention. Oh, well, my dog cries and whines, and I tell them it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. That's fine to do. Just understand that you are rewarding the crying and whining. The crying and whining will continue because you've given in to the, the crying and whining. That does not mean you have to put your dog under a tremendous amount of stress with flooding and wait them out and have them go through this terrible experience of trying to deal with their emotions on their own. Like, you can help them. And there's a whole way to do that. But understand that you are still rewarding that behavior. The rewarding is independent of what you think. It happens naturally, right? The rewarding will happen regardless of whether you intend to do it or not do it. It will happen one way or another. Potty training is another. People don't realize that going to the bathroom is a rewarding event. They've relieved the pressure that was inside them, and they feel good afterwards. So if you're upset at your dog for going into the house, understand that they are being rewarded for going to the house every time they go to the bathroom in the house, which is why I think management is such a pivotal part to any training plan. You have to manage almost everything that goes on in your dog's life. But back to timing. <laughs> the topic of discussion. We could talk about management for days, but the topic of the discussion is timing. When we want to increase our dog's speed, we have to reward them at the height of their speed. Now, you can do this a lot easier if you use the clicker or a marker signal because you can actually mark the moment that they are the fastest and then reward them afterwards. So if you're doing a recall and they pick up their speed at any point, they run a little bit faster, they get a little bit more excited, and they're beelining right to you, then you can mark at that exact moment and then give them a treat when they get to you. This means that you have the amount of time from start to end, to pick the fastest response. What do I mean by that? If we're doing a 100-foot recall, and at 50 feet, your dog picks up their pace, you can mark at that exact moment. But if you're only doing a 20-foot recall, it's a lot shorter of a distance. You don't have that much time. So you either have to reward very soon or very late. Rather, mark very soon or very late. You can't necessarily do that when you have a five-foot recall, you just don't have enough space. But you might have enough space in a 25-foot recall. So if you can't do a 100-foot recall, don't worry about it. You just got to find where you can do it. Now, when it comes to smaller behaviors like a sit, it's very difficult, right? How, how, do, I, how do I notice how fast my dog's doing a sit that's insanely difficult? Well, in that case, we're going to move to step two. And this is also reminiscent of talking about latency. Now, I want to take a pause for a second before I jump into uh, the number two. Number one with timing, different from latency. Latency, you're rewarding the moment they respond. Right, Your timing is there, the moment they respond. Timing with speed is marking and rewarding the fastest moment in the behavior. Or, as we get to step two, the frustration is only rewarding those that fall into a tighter criteria. And we're, we're building that frustration by having them do the behavior over and over and not rewarding them until they do it faster. You have to be careful with this. If you go too far 
right? You ask them to do it 5, 10, 15, 25 times in a row, they are going to stop doing the behavior. It is no longer going to be fun. They are not going to do it anymore. They are not getting rewarded, and they will cease to want to train with you because you are constantly pushing them to the point where they don't want to work with you. So how can we have a dog be frustrated but not not do the behavior, <laughs> right? How can we build a little bit of frustration and get them to do it without having them not do it? You have to have a solid understanding that they know the behavior. They are confident that the behavior works and they are willing to do the behavior multiple times in order to get a reward. This is the basis for intermittent reward scheduling. If you don't know anything about intermittent reward scheduling, listen to the rest of Acknowledge Dogs episodes. We go in-depth a lot about continuous reward scheduling, intermittent reward scheduling, variable reward scheduling, indirect rewarding. There's so many different types of rewarding. And I will be having a book come out soon, uh, a book coming out soon about rewarding and the wonderful benefits of doing it correctly. So stay tuned for that. But if you want to learn more about rewarding in general, you can head over to matadorcanine.com, matadorcanine.com. So how do we build that little bit of frustration? Well, once our dog knows the behavior well, we know that they know the behavior well. They love doing the behavior. They're going to do it over and over and over again. They're going to offer up the behavior when you don't ask for it. Now we can say, okay, well, I'm going to ask for my dog for a sit, and I'm not going to give him anything. And then I'm going to get him to move. I'm going to ask him for the sit again, and I'm not going to give him anything. Then I'm going to move again. I'm going to ask for the sit, and hopefully this third time, they respond a little bit faster because they're frustrated. And they go, hey, give me the treat. Give me the toy, right? They get angry just a little bit. And they snap into the sit. That's when you mark and reward. The second they are moving the fastest in that third repetition because we've built a little bit of frustration, we can then mark and reward them. And they go, oh, you just wanted me to do it faster? So then the fourth repetition in your training exercise, you might not reward them again. Or if they respond fast, you would. Now, your reaction time needs to be very good. You cannot go into this saying, all right, I'm not going to reward the first three repetitions, and I'm going to reward the fourth. And then I'm not going to reward the fifth repetition, but I'm going to reward the sixth. You can't do that, right? You should have that kind of mentality going into it on how many you're going to do. So I'm okay, I'm going to do 10 repetitions. I have 10 treats with me. And if my dog does really fast repetitions every 10 times, then good. But if they only do it every two repetitions, then I'm only giving them five treats. You see what I mean? We're raising our criteria and what our expectation is for the behavior. And by doing so, we force our dog to move into this new version of the behavior that they've loved so much. Once they're performing the behavior insanely fast, we can jackpot it. We can reward it heavily. We can give them more treats for it. And then that becomes the new standard. You could even go to a continuous reward schedule at that point. Right? I want my dog to do it insanely fast. So they're going to do it, and then I'm going to reward them, and then they're going to do it again, and I'm going to reward them, and they're going to do it again, I'm going to reward them. And if anything falls outside of this new version, I'm not going to reward it. And then you could do it again. So my dog's responding at 5% speed, let's just say, 
or 50% of their total speed, and I want to get them to 80% of their total speed. So 50% of their speed is good, and they've been rewarded for it. The new standard is 50%. I go through this process. Now it's 60%. I get that good. Now my dog is responding very quickly because we've already worked on latency, and they're doing the behavior very fast at 60% of their ability. Then I go through the process again, and I get it to 70. I go through the process again in 80. Now, there are physical limitations. You can only go so far with your dog. If you have a sport-type dog, like a Belgian Malinois, like a German Shepherd, like an Australian Cattle Dog, like a Border Collie, like a Spaniel, if you have those type of dogs, then you have a little bit more range. This is not to say that some of those dogs, some of those breeds, will be lazy or slow. And it's not to say that some other dogs out of the 193 other breeds, those dogs could be insanely fast. I've known some dogs that are wicked fast, and you would not expect it. So don't just go, oh, well, my dog's a, a pug. They're not going to respond fast. I know plenty of pugs that respond fast. Oh, well, my dog's a bulldog. They don't, they don't really listen. They're going to listen. Or my dog's a husky. Right? Huskies are notorious for being slow creatures. But just because they have a reputation doesn't mean that that's how your dog is. The breed as a whole, right, the majority might be like that. That does not mean that your dog is like that. You can still implement all these things regardless of what the dog's breed is, their age, as long as their physical limitations aren't maxed out and their health is good. I've had some dogs where their health is not in great shape and that limits them from moving as fast. Hawk is one of them. He used to be a bullet. He was lightning and he had some issue with his hip and he does not run as fast. He'll do two or three really good runs and then he slows down. Uh, and there's not much I can do about it besides just practicing and stretching and warming him up, right? So all those things that we do help him enable him to have the best time that we can while we're out playing fetch or whatever we're doing. But he doesn't have the same physical ability as he used to. So age can also play a role in him or uh, health limitations. So if your dog uh, has a degenerative disease or if they have a partial tear or they're sore from training yesterday, they might be slower. So you kind of have to know those things. So speed shouldn't be something you work on every day but it certainly can be depending on what you're working on. So number three, we're going to talk about building motivation. Speed and motivation go hand in hand. If your dog is motivated, they will respond faster. <laughs> if they're not motivated, they will not respond faster. Now, what I usually see people do, and this is a big mistake, is trying to increase whatever it is they're using to get their dog motivated. So they'll pull out the kibble first in their training session. Let's say it's Monday. They'll pull out kibble first, and that doesn't do much. The dog's kind of listening. It's not doing much. So then they go in their bag, and they grab the you know, $12 bag of training treats they got from the pet store. And the dog doesn't really improve too much, but it's a little more attentive. And they're like, oh, okay, let me try the next thing. So then they pull out cheese. Then they pull out hot dogs. Then they pull out cold cuts. Then they pull out boiled chicken. Then... They pull out anything else, whipped cream. So what does our dog learn there? 
And I've seen people do this with Huskies, very often in Huskies. I'm not sure why, but Husky owners will do this. They try a variety of different rewards, and the dog learns that the rewards only get better if you ignore the one that you have, right? The dog goes, okay, well, I didn't really like the kibble. What else you got? I didn't really like the $12 treats from the pet store. What else you got? I didn't really like the cheese. What else you got? I didn't really like the hot dog. What else you got? And so they just keep stacking and stacking. And eventually you're going to run out of things to give your dog. Like that kind of practice is going to become a problem. So how do we combat this? It's called the preference test. What you're going to do is lay out a couple of different things in front of your dog and find out what they truly want. What is their preferred reinforcement? If you actually spend the time to do this, it makes it 10 times easier, 10, 15, 100 times easier for you to have a dog that listens. Now, I'm going to give you guys a free PDF to lay out exactly how to do a preference test correctly. Head over to matadorcanine.com slash preference test. Matadorcanine.com slash preference test if you want help figuring out exactly what you should be doing and, and how to do that correctly because it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. Because once you have the right thing, their motivation will increase, which automatically increases their speed. Automatically increases it. And you don't want to decrease their motivation by offering them something and then offering them the next thing and then offering them the next thing. You want to have something that they really love, really like, and then have them perform the behavior and then pull out the toy or the treat. And they go, oh, I didn't know you had that. And then if they always think that you have this preferred reinforcement, then they are going to always perform at that level. I'll tell you a short little story to end here. It's working with a lovely dog who I always talk about. I always talk about this dog because I love him so much. His name was Neptune. Uh, I was training him while I was in college, learning to be a dog trainer. And I love him so much, I would I would take him any day of the week. He was fantastic. He was a nutcase, <laughs> but he was fantastic. And I talk about him in the dog training cheat codes, which you can get at matadorcanine.com slash cheat codes. Matadorcanine.com slash cheat codes. But Neptune was a very energetic boy. Very, very crazy, but he, he needed to focus. So what we did was we found his preferred reinforcement, which happened to be a PVC pipe. He loved that thing. And he just wanted to play tug with it. Now, you might think, well, he has a lot of energy. So wouldn't he be fast at doing things? Yes and no. He was fast at doing things when he could think clearly. When he couldn't think clearly, he was all over the place. And just because they have a lot of energy doesn't mean they're going to put it into the things you want them to put it into. He could be distracted by everything else. I say sit, and he could do it really slow, and that's what happened. I needed him to be very sharp. The moment I told him to do something, he needed to do it. And that was the latency aspect. We had worked on that. So now it came down to how fast can I get him to do the behavior. So we were practicing a long-distance recall down halfway. So that what we had to do was get the down really fast. And what he would do is he would go into like the play bow and then slowly put his butt down. That doesn't work if he's running at full speed, which he was fast. It doesn't help if he's running at full speed. 
So what did we do? I put the preferred reinforcement, the PVC pipe, in my back pocket, and I held on to it. And I ask him to down, and he does it laxalazically. So I give him a treat. Now, whenever you start a training session off, you should be rewarding your dog heavily to remind them what they should be doing, what behavior you're working on, and to build up a little bit of confidence. So we do three to four repetitions of that. He goes into the down, slow, and gets a treat. Then I start to work on a little bit of frustration. Goes into the down, he doesn't get a treat. I get him up. Now, he immediately gets frustrated. He wants to tune out. He wants to check out. He wants to go do other things. We're out in an open field. And he wanted to do his own thing. So we wait again. And I tell him to down again. He downs. Eh, still lazy. But I have him on leash. So we move again. He can't really go anywhere. He's got to work with me. right? At this point, I think he would have checked out. He just... This was the type of dog he was. He wanted to go do something else. He was frustrated. He wasn't getting his reward. And so this was the last repetition I was going to do before calling it. It's like, okay, well, clearly we're not at that stage yet. But I digress. We did it anyway. So I tell him to down, and he kind of jumped into the down. He, like, jumped up, got into the down position, and then landed like that. And so I get insanely excited. I mark the moment he does it. I pick up the toy and I chuck it. He runs after it. He gets it. He comes back. We do it again. And we do it again. And so now he has this kind of jumping into the down thing. And that translated beautifully into the recall down halfway. If you don't know what the recall down halfway is, it's when your dog is about 50 feet out. You recall them to you. And then you tell them to down before they get to you, and they have to down at least 20 feet away from you. So the halfway part, they have to down. And for Neptune, he would run and jump up and then land. <laughs> and when he landed, I would then reward him. So the speed at which he did the behavior, although it was goofy, it was motivated by a little bit of frustration and getting an insanely high-valued reward, which was the PVC pipe that he loved so much. Now, if you're hearing this and you're like, oh, I'm going to go use PVC pipe with my dog, just understand that it, it can be dangerous. You need to watch everything your dog consumes. And so if they're going to sit and chew on the PVC pipe, that is no good. Neptune did not do that. He wanted to bring the PVC pipe to me and play fetch. He did not chew on it. That's why we used it. So if your dog is a chewer and is going to destroy the pipe or they're going to guard the pipe, do not use a PVC pipe. Thank you guys for tuning in today. I appreciate it. Make sure you follow us on social media and I'll see you next time.